What if I told you there was no epidemic? You've been living in a dream world. The world that has been pulled over your eyes to keep you from the truth. That you are a slave. What is the coronavirus scamdemic? It is control to turn a human being into this. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for checking out the podcast. This is Ride All Week. I'm your host. My name is Dave. If you would like to interact with us on all of the usual social media places, you can do that with the username at Write All Week. If you would like to send us an email, the address is writeallweek at gmail.com. If you're listening on the audio platforms and you can give us a positive review, I would like that very much. I'd say thank you. And if you're on the YouTubes, then please do remember to like, subscribe, ring that bell for future notifications. We won't blow up your devices, I promise. And then, of course, everyone everywhere, please do share. It's good for you. It's good for the community. It uh, makes you look good when you connect like-minded individuals together. So do it for everyone, especially videos like today. This is pretty much a public service that I'm uh, doing today. We're going to talk about the COVID revolutions, the end of the scamdemic. I'm predicting that it's getting pretty close now, but uh, I'll kind of get to why I think maybe not quite yet here at the end. But let's talk about some numbers first, because it's time for some fun with some numbers. We've been watching as it's gotten to the point where it is right now, how people have been trying to use the COVID situation to inflate and to conflate problems, really. The, it's not that it is, let me start with this. Yes, there's a virus. And yes, people have gotten sick. And yes, people have died. All of these things are true. But are the things that we're hearing from our popular legacy, the institutional media, are those things actually reflecting reality? That's the thing that I'm challenging. I don't think it's been that way for a long, long time. The idea that we've needed to lock ourselves down and we've needed to cover our faces and we've needed to pretend like we don't know anything about immunology or virology. Uh, no, all of that has been a giant farce. And the things that we have, we've just handed over our sovereignty as a people to local municipalities for really no good reason and pretended like science doesn't matter, like science has suddenly changed this year. These are the things that I'm kind of pushing back against today. And so that's uh, the whole purpose of this. So if you've watched this video and you like it, you understand it, hey, even if you don't like it, uh, please leave me a comment and then share it with some other folks so we can help to get this information out there. Now, let me also say this. I'm not sharing any conspiracy theories. I'm not going to share anything that is new. And the sources for this are basically CDC and other scientific studies that have already been done. I'm not a scientist. I'm not doing any of this. And things like world armor. We're just going to work some math here, okay? So if you understand how to do this, where you take some numbers, hey, here's the like deaths and cases, and you just kind of divide one and the other, and then you kind of can see what your percentages are. We're just going to do some stuff like that. So just looking at stuff that way. No big deals. All right. So uh, some stuff that I have for you talking about uh, one of the first things I want to point out is the <clears throat> comparing what we have to in the past to where we are now. Previous viruses. Okay. We know because they've told us that this is a SARS virus. SARS came before and it petered out in the summertime and we were expecting that this one would. And if it hadn't been for the fact that we pretty much tried to shut down the country and literally slowed the spread, we were effective at slowing the spread. If we hadn't done that, it's very likely that this one would have been gone already. But we slowed the spread and uh, we did the lockdown and then people were in, uh, uh, putting this idea out there before saying, hey, well, if we put everybody in, we do quarantine of healthy and sick, what is the likeliness that when we come back out, 
then it's going to pick up again. It was a, a very logical question. A lot of us thought that that kind of made sense, and that is exactly what we saw. So this idea, oh, well, we had a second wave. Not really. It was just kind of like the postponement of the, the spread. Again, virology doesn't change, and I might say that a few times this time. Okay, so here we go. We're now seeing the virus is finishing its uh, the normal curve, okay? So you've, we've heard people talking about the curve. We were trying to flatten the curve. Well, here's the thing. Virus is going to do what a virus is going to do, and it's going to do its curve, and it's going to eventually get to a point where it's going to peter out, and it just needed to reach a certain point where it could. And that's what we're seeing now. So if you look at the cases over the last five weeks, if you just look at the numbers and you can see in pretty much every place, everywhere, once it reaches a certain number of infections, once it reaches a certain percentage of the populace, once we get through all, honestly, the vulnerable people and enough people present antibodies, once they get something called seroprevalence, once it hits a certain number, the thing just declines. And we've been watching it decline for weeks, about five weeks now. All right, and now here's the other thing. When we talk about how much testing there's been done, people have been trying to say, oh, well, it's not the test. That's one of the primary messages coming from our mainstream media, the, the legacy industrial institutional liars that they've become now, right? So they're saying, no, it's not the testing. You know, the testing just shows you who's sick. But really what they're trying to make it sound like is somehow or another America's the sickest country out there. America's not the sickest country out there. It really is, in this case, the testing. Let me, put, let me prove that to you, okay? Because the testing isn't what's making anybody sick. That's true. All right. But it does show us who's sick. But who's doing the most testing? It's America. Right here in the United States, we're testing. All right. Let's compare who's the second biggest tester out there. It's over there in India. Let's compare populations. We got about 330 million people there in the U.S. How many people have they got there in the U.S.? Well, uh, over there in India, they've got over a billion. All right. And well, you would think if they've got over a billion, we've got 330 million. They're outnumber us by like almost four times, all right? So they should basically be doing about four times as much testing as us. Have they? No, they haven't. Have they out-tested us at all? No, they haven't. We've out-tested them by over 36 million tests. So yeah, that's why we have the most positive cases, period, okay? We are not the sickest country. We are the most testing country. And so that's the reason we've been able to identify how many people actually have it over here. But... As I, I pointed out in a previous video, that just finding the people who are sick doesn't automatically make it a bad thing because it also helps us to see how dangerous the thing is because more positives also helps us to see how many people, mild cases or asymptomatic cases, because not every case is a big deal. I've got points to, to share with you on that one too. All right, so uh, we're leading the world in testing, <clears throat> as I just mentioned, and only 1.7% of American, 1.7% of Americans have been uh, shown to be test positive of the coronavirus. So that's actually pretty good, uh, you would think, uh, if this thing is such a big deal. It's spreading so far. It's so bad and it's everywhere. Yet, with all the testing that we've done and so supposedly, quote unquote, the sickest country in the world, and yet it's only 1.7% that are testing positive. Okay, so that's something to keep in consideration. Now here's another thing, the idea that we have a CFR that's reached 3%. I'm going to hit that again in a second. Why 3%? Well, actually that's that's pretty good number, but it would be even better if it weren't for New York. All right, so this is one of the lowest numbers in the industrialized world, but 
That's not the, it would be even better if it hadn't been for New York. Okay, I said I was gonna hit it in a minute. Let me hit it now, okay? Because New York totally blew this number out of the water for us. Because if you were to look at a lot of other states, they didn't have as high a number. New York, that's our national average is 3%. But New York had more than double that. New York by itself had like 7%. If you look at all the other states, it's in the one point something, two point something. You average all those together, you're not gonna get anything close to 3%. So the only reason we even have 3%, which already is the best in the industrialized world. Oh, okay, well, uh, see, sorry, but it's because of New York. Oh, Cuomo, praise Cuomo. He's so awesome, he's so awesome. He has double the national average of the CFR. That's how awesome he is. Meanwhile, oh, we're supposed to go and criticize DeSantis down here in Florida where I live, who, by the way, has a larger population of elderly living in nursing homes. Oh, but what about our CFR down here? Actually, it's about half the national average. It's less than a quarter, maybe like a fifth of what Cuomo had, but they're currently demonizing DeSantis and praising Cuomo. Cuomo gets a book, apparently. We just learned that, right? So Cuomo gets to write a, write a book, even though he's killed one out of four people in, between New York and New Jersey. If you take those two people together, their population of those two states is 28 million. All right, so that's less than 10% of our national total but those two states alone account for about 25% of all COVID deaths in our nation. But Cuomo gets to have a book. And DeSantis is the one who's in trouble, even though, oh, well, let's look at what was they, they, they called it, the, the Sun Belt wave, right? So who's in that? Florida, Arizona, Georgia, and Texas, right? If you take all of these guys and you add their populations together, it's like three times as much as the population of New York and New Jersey added together. And how many deaths do they have? Three times as many? No, actually like 16,000, not 16,000 more, 16,000 less. I got four states to two and these four states have 16,000 deaths less. Now, let me remind everybody how we're counting deaths. Are we counting deaths that we can know for sure are directly attributable? It is for sure caused by COVID. No, this whole time. Remember Burks way back in April, if it had COVID when they died, we're counting that as a COVID death. Doesn't matter if it was a cause. Doesn't matter how many comorbidities. Doesn't matter that they were 105 years old and had like 10 other problems and they just happened to find out after this person died that they had COVID. We're counting it as a COVID death. And I postulated this theory on my Twitter recently that we're still attributing COVID deaths in March now, which makes me think we're hunting them down. We're going to find, oh, hey, look, we just found out this person had COVID. Or, or, we don't know for sure that they did. They're doing probables, quote unquote, probable COVID diagnosis. So we find out later that somebody was presenting some of the symptoms of COVID. And even though this person's already died and been buried and had a funeral of a grand total of 10 people while everybody else had to stay at home, that person actually presented symptoms. So we'll call that a probable COVID death and add them to the numbers too. We're padding the numbers like ridiculous. But these are the numbers that we have. Even with those numbers, our percentages are actually, get this, 0.5%. All the stuff that I just said, all of the, everything that they're doing to inflate it, 0.5% died with COVID. And now, we also know this. How many of these 0.5% were people who were 
uh, and, the, and the general pop are, let's talk about age, right? How many of these people were older? Well, actually, these most of these, or the significant portion, 40% of these were elderly in nursing homes. All right, so that's a significant number of people who died with, again, quote unquote, with COVID, 40% of the total number happened in nursing homes. There was an entire nursing home that was wiped out in the beginning. This was when, when I first came out and started criticizing, hey, remember we were supposed to have this whole thing? We we're supposed to protect the vulnerable, and we blew it. We totally blew it, and 40% of our deaths happened, happened in nursing homes, which actually means that for the rest of the population outside of the nursing home, and this doesn't even take into consideration the age yet, taking into uh, just the nursing home part of it, 0.3% of Americans dying with, not because, COVID. Now, I keep pointing that out. I've seen somebody who did a study somewhere else, and if I find it again, I'll drop it in the, the description of this video, talking about the possibility that there's up to 10% of the deaths that they can actually find and say there was nothing else listed on the death certificates. That the deaths that up almost, it was like 89% of all death certificates for COVID deaths had comorbidities listed on it. Which means you can take the number of our COVID deaths that you currently see right now, and you could just move that comma over one, and then you can see how many actually are real legitimate caused by COVID. And the rest of them are just comorbidities, somebody who was already weak, and this just happened to be the last thing to add it to them. Again, uh, I've already said we, it's sad when people die, and of course, because I'm a Christian, I'm hoping that these people are, you know, they're safe and they're good with Jesus, and we pray for everyone, but... Also, truth matters, and that's why I'm getting into this stuff today, because there is something, there's a nefarious plot out there, if I may uh, borrow that slogan. Okay, so, now we're looking up here, so, uh, again, I already talked about New York. I got out of, off my, uh, my, out of my order here on my list that I had prepared for myself, because I got excited, and then these things happen. All right, so... <clears throat> Oh, here's another thing, an interesting fact that you might want to know, because they keep trying to tell us how dangerous it is, and I already told you what the percentages were, but did you know that out of uh, all the states across the Union, there are still 20 states that have less than 1,000 deaths, quote-unquote, with? They haven't even reached 1,000. I don't even know what their percentages are because they're so low. I've posted several graphs on my social media trying to help people to realize where the actual measurements are. And this is why I started off by pointing out it's actually not a real epidemic. And that even is according to the CDC. The CDC has its own way of defining what is an epidemic. And we haven't been meeting that criteria, even with the fake inflation of trying to say it's with and not because, even with that padding and high, the inflation of the numbers, we still don't meet their own criteria, but we keep saying that because we want people to be afraid. Okay, so what else have we got? Uh, 16,717. So I don't know if you know this or not. Current cases across the nation right now, uh, we're looking at about 253 million cases so people who have tested positive. That includes your asymptomatic people. That includes your people who are like, oh, it's just a cold and it doesn't bother me at all and I'm still acting like normal, which, you know, if people, if you've got this thing, all right, let's be real, all right? Who's supposed to be staying at home? We wouldn't have to do things like lockdowns and masks and social distancing if people who had, like, if you were sick, if you just hung out at home for a little while, all right, I've done this. I, I follow my own advice right here. 
been sick and stayed away from people because, hey, that's the considerate thing to do rather than trying to use something like a mask as a justification for me to go out there and live a normal life when you're sick and you should, you know, stay away from people. Anyhow, of the two and a half million people who've tested positive, only 16,717 have actually developed into serious cases. Now, here's another thing you need to know. Of those serious cases, people who have had to go to like uh, the hospital and you're in intensive care, because of the percentages, those survival rates are actually crazy high too. So we think, oh man, they're in intensive care, it's so bad. It's not a death sentence. Most of the people who go to intensive care also survive. So most of these 16,717 current intensive care patients are going to survive. This is a 0.6% of the coronavirus cases. They are in critical or serious condition, all right? So that means that your, your national 330 million people, that is a 0.005%. We have, we're still looking at ridiculously low numbers. And I just want you to think about it. Does this... Does this stuff justify all of the other things that we're facing? I've talked about a lot of consequences. You'd have to review a lot of videos, review a lot of posts to see. Again, the price that we pay to address this scamdemic. What are we are paying? The millions of people who are unemployed. The millions of jobs that are gone and are never coming back. That is serious. And others, the other prices that we've paid in order to fight this thing. The cure is definitely worse than disease. Oh, and let's not forget the life for life. Because that has been one of the biggest things that people have been trying to... The biggest argument that they think that they have is that people on my side of the argument don't care about lives. And I want to say for sure, no, you can't just assume that these things don't threaten lives. I have shared lots of posts about how lives have been threatened. There are definitely lives lost through other causes that are directly correlated to things like lockdowns. So, and job losses and stuff like that. All right. So we know that now for sure. And it gets ridiculous, especially when you take away the inflation strategies. If we drop all the comorbidities and we only look at the deaths that are caused specifically by COVID and compare those to the deaths that are directly attributable to, oh, man lost his job, man lost his home, he hasn't had the ability to provide for himself in all this time, and all the depression and whatever else sets in, and domestic abuse and all these other problems that are happening underneath the surface, what they call the out of sight, because we rather look at this problem and not look at these problems. So all the stuff that's in the news about COVID and none of the stuff that's in the news and the fact that there are starving children who rely on the U.S. economy, which has been operating at about 50% for half a year, and now they're starving to death, literally. Oh, how many of these lives matter? Nope, sorry, those lives don't matter as much as the COVID lives matter. And since I'm so close to it, let me go ahead and hit this one too, because people want to be like, oh, so you're saying that somebody who's old, who's living in a nursing home, their life doesn't matter as much as the young people? I want to say I'm going to defer that point to the people who actually live there. If you were to ask somebody, hey, would you rather you sacrifice your life so that somebody younger could live? I from my personal experience, and I think from almost anybody else's personal experience, if you were to give them the choice, most of them, maybe all of them, would say absolutely. And it's something that, I, 
put this in the comments. If you think that it's, a, if it's an unusual position to take, that the younger, like children, that we would expect people who have lived a life to say, I want those who have not yet to have the opportunities that I had. I'm a father. I have four children, and not all of them have had much experience yet. And if I had the option between me or them, I'm going to choose me to go so that they can have the opportunities that I have already enjoyed and some opportunities that I haven't enjoyed. I'm definitely not, as a parent, going to sit here and be like, yeah, sorry, I think the kids need to go. Or that somehow or another there's an equal value there. No, there's something about the human experience. We've always had the protection of the younger and the older generations always deciding, yeah, I'm going to sacrifice so for the youngers. I don't know where we got to this point now where we're evaluating lives differently. Anyways, I'm opening this one up to the comments. I would like to see some people talk about this if there's a, a different position. I'm not evaluating and saying one life is worth a diff uh, that there's a different value intrinsically because God values all of us and he He's the one who gets to decide these things, but from our own selves, how we would make these decisions and what we would say if, we, if it was up to us, uh, this is weird that we would now say, oh, no, no, it's okay. Let's just let the, you know, sacrifice the kids for the sake of the elderly when normally the elderly would be like, yeah, actually, I want the kids to live. Anyhow, uh, hitting some other points that I had to share with you, the idea, uh, I already talked about the fact that the world is uh, not testing better than us. We are actually testing uh, pretty much better than anyone, anywhere, and the idea that uh, our strategies aren't as good as anybody else. Okay, so everybody else's strategies, they're, they're not working, okay? So let's just be honest about that. Places that have gone into lockdown over and over and over again, it hasn't stopped it. And places that have done mask mandates over and over or since the beginning, there are some places that have had mask mandates, what, April, May, June, July, August, five months, and they still haven't stopped it. All right, so why is that? Maybe it's because, as I mentioned already, virology doesn't change because immunology doesn't change. And now there are new studies coming out and they're saying, hey, look, we actually have, we're getting really close to herd immunity. Oh, and actually that the, the number that we need to reach for herd immunity is actually a, a lot lower than we might have expected. Why? Because you don't actually have to get everybody. It's not like the idea of developing a vaccine and you have to go around and hit a large number of people with a vaccine to stop the thing. No, you just have to hit, well, you know, the vulnerable folks and get enough people who would be who would develop the antibodies, the seroprevalence, and the what we're now seeing things in T cells, and then hey, we, we, what they're seeing now is something close to 20%. I saw a thread on Twitter. A guy was looking at all of the places like New York and Sweden and New York City, Switzerland. He was comparing a lot of places and saying, hey, look, they hit a certain percentage, getting close to 20%. They didn't even have to get all the way to 20%. But once they got there, the curve looked the same. It starts to flatten out. The cases drop, the deaths drop, and hey, look, they're good to go. And this is pretty much where we are now. And it didn't matter that they locked down. It didn't matter that they did social distancing. It didn't matter that they did masks. What mattered was the virus did what viruses do. Again, it doesn't matter that we're in 2020. Virology hasn't changed. Immunology hasn't changed. And these are the things that the doctors in California were trying to tell us all the way back in April. 
but we censored them. We silenced them. They're crazy. These are the things that America's frontline doctors were trying to tell us a couple of months ago. But we tried to censor them and tell them, you know what, these doctors are crazy. And there are so all sorts of studies that have been popping up all over the world saying the same things. But you know what? The people in the who have control of the levers of influence, they have been trying to shut all of these messages down. But now the numbers, the data that's coming out is showing that it's not true. That all, what these guys were telling us way back in April and these other doctors a couple of months ago and lots of other people who have tried to come out and talk about it. Gosh, what Oxford challenged this message in the very beginning. Um, does anybody know uh, how good a school is Oxford? Actually, they're like number one. And Stanford tried to come out and talk about this way back in the beginning, like in March, right? Anybody know uh, how good a school is Stanford? Actually, I'm pretty sure Stanford and Oxford have been competing for the number one school in the world for like ages and ages. Okay, so Maybe we shouldn't listen to them because they're just the number one schools in the world. But they were right. And a lot of people are being proven right now. The numbers are proving it. And that's where we are right now. So what should we expect now that the numbers are proving it? Actually, I've, I'm not a sports fan, but I do think that this is a little bit kind of fascinating. I mean, not that I never watch any sports. I do watch some sports, but I'm not specifically not into college sports. But... Here's what's happening with college right now. So the football programs has said that there's a, a big conference said that they don't want to have them. I think two conferences said they're not going to do it. But several other conferences got together and started contacting other so-called professionals and experts, right? Including some guy at the Mayo Clinic. Anybody know how big a deal the Mayo Clinic is? <clears throat> I think they're kind of a big deal. Anyhow, so they're bringing in other specialists to talk about it. So that way they can see and prove and make a case for why they should be allowed to continue and have a sports program. Oh, okay, so if it's okay for these guys to have it, then why isn't it okay for everybody else? And if all these other specialists and experts were available for all these other colleges and conferences to go and find these, these voices, these quote-unquote experts, these specialists, these people who know their fields, who can make these things. See, this is one of the ideas that I tried to make a long time ago. Maybe it's even in my first video, Fear the Mind Killer, the idea that we should not just have one voice influencing the decisions that we make, that we should have multiple voices coming together and talking about it, and then we could say, okay, who has the best case? Or maybe they all talk together until they come to some sort of an agreement, some sort of common understanding, and we'll go with that. But it didn't happen. We've been listening to Burks and Fauci worm tongue into the president's ear, and we had all of this craziness in the country up until now. And finally, we come to the end of the scamdemic. It's going to end experientially. Now, whether or not it's going to end as far as the regulations, as far as the administratively, that is a different question. Here's where something else kicks in, because fear is not the only mind killer. Pride is another one. And we had people who were pressured in the beginning. We had to do something, which is a point that I made early on. People who, like President Trump, like other world leaders, when the doomsday models fell on their desks, they had to make a choice. That was what they felt, the pressure. We have to do something. Well, now we can see, we look back with numbers like these, and we have to realize, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't be doing what we're doing. But more likely, because of pride, that won't be the case. More likely, because of pride, we can't admit, excuse me, <coughs> 
I'm not sick. We can't admit that we made a mistake. We can't admit that we were wrong. We can't admit that there's anything wrong with us. That's not human nature. Human nature wants to be right. Uh, right all week, yeah? So that being the case, we can probably expect, honestly, that even though the numbers continue to crash, even though the people in the hospital right now, like, for example, the number of people going to the hospital is less than 2% uh, is for COVID, which means 98% plus of your hospital treatment right now is for something other than COVID. You would think that would be a good reason to say it's time to make some changes. No changes are being made. And all the other things that I just cited to you, no changes are being made. And we just had the DNC, and they just did everything social distance. They just did everything by Zoom. They just did everything with masks. And how are they going to change things? Probably not interested in changing anything. And I am afraid this is going to be true. Both parties, every municipality, every governing body, until further notice. So what does that mean for us? Well, of course, we still want to speak the truth. Of course, we still want to love on people. Of course, we still want to try to shine some light on some deception. But we still want to be patient. We don't want to lose it. We, uh, so that's my encouragement to you. Share the information. Do what you can to open some minds, to try to change some minds, to do what you can to try to influence the direction here. But expect that pride is going to do what pride usually does. You remember that sting in the back of the neck? And then the next thing you know, Marcellus Wallace has a couple of henchmen cruising around town reciting scripture to folks. Actually, I think we probably could use a couple of witnesses walking around telling the word of the Lord right now if you catch my meaning. So why don't you guys, you be those witnesses walking around telling the word of the Lord and praying for people, praying for our leaders, praying for the truth to come out, praying for protection, of course, because, you know, there's still a little bit of sickness rolling around out there. But also, let's be grateful that it's about done. And let's have faith that we're going to see some blessing in the end of this thing and some recovery is going to happen. But it's not done yet. We're, we aren't finished. So speak the truth, share the truth, have faith, speak the word of the Lord. That's my uh, encouragement for you guys today. If you finish the video, if you finish the podcast, I appreciate that. I want to say thank you. I want to invite you back to share some more of these and to be a part of these conversations and always comment, you know, whatever you like to do. And again, all of the social media places, I welcome all kinds of feedback. And I would love to hear from you guys. Again, this is Right All Week and I am Dave and this is where we talk about what's right, how it's right, and why it matters. <music>